Oh, well, good evening. If you turn in your Bibles to First Peter uh, chapter three, yeah, I gotta tell you guys, I was, I was, uh, I was, I was struggling um, last few days studying. You know, I definitely felt uh, the, the enemy um, trying to hinder me, trying to distract me. But uh, apparently, he must be scared of what I have to say tonight. So, First um, Peter chapter three. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we come before you. Lord, we thank you so much for, for, for your word, Lord, for, for your truth. Lord, we thank you that you are our God, or that you speak to us in a mighty way. Lord, and I pray that you would do that tonight. Father God, that you would bind the hand of the enemy. Lord, that you would just use me as, uh, as your vessel, Lord, and that you would speak through me to your children, Lord. I pray that as we just study you these next 20, 30 minutes, Lord, that your word would just resonate in our hearts, Lord, Lord, that you would just have your way with us right now, that you would speak to us in our own individual and special ways, Lord, and that we would be shaped, Lord, we would be molded into what you have us to be, Lord, what you desire for us, Lord, and we desire that same thing, Lord. So just speak to our hearts right now, Father God. Bind the hand of the enemy. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. First Peter chapter 3, we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 17. And let's just go ahead and read uh, the text. It says, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing, verse 10. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, verse 13. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Verse 16. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Verse 17. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. You know, I think a lot of times we... We grow up, growing up, we have all had disagreements with, with, with one another, you know, whether it's uh, with sp- it's sports teams, you know, um, the, the, the best kind of car to drive, um, what, even what you're going to have for dinner tonight. You know, there, there's so many instances in our lives, you know, where not everyone is going to have the same ideas or opinions you know, not only does that bring disagreement, but then it brings arguing. It brings contention. You know, and before you know it, you know, words are being exchanged. 
you say something that upsets someone or, or vice versa, and then you end up hurting each other. You know, you, and you act out on flesh, on your flesh to desire, your pride. You know, you repay evil for evil. And that's, and in this portion of scripture right here that we're going to speak on, that we're going to read, you know, Peter's going to talk to us about division, about being like-minded in Christ, not repaying evil for evil, but enduring that, that evil for, for, for our faith. And so in verses 8 through 12, you know, we're going to look at two different sections. In verses 8 through 9, Peter is going to speak of a plea for unity among the body of Christ. And then in verses 10 through 12, Peter is going to reiterate and quote Psalm, Psalms uh, 34, verses 12 through 16. So let's go ahead and read um, again verses eight, verse 8. It says, finally, finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, and be courteous. And so Peter, he's speaking of, of the body being one mind. You know, and he's not talking about just your own mind, your fleshly mind. No, he's talking about being Christ-minded. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, it says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Meaning that our mind is to be common, it is to be in unison with Jesus. We don't have to be the same person. We, we, we don't. We're not. We all have our different likes and dislikes. But you take, um, take our worship team, for example. You have guitarists. You have piano players. You have someone who plays a flute. You have a drummer. There's all these different parts to a worship team, but they all serve the same purpose, right? They all have different functions, but they serve the same purpose. And that is to what? To honor and glorify the Lord. That should be us. We all come from different backgrounds, different places. But we share a common goal, calling ourselves Christians, right? To better the body, to better each other. Iron sharpening iron. And we do that by having the same mind of Christ, right? We call ourselves Christians like Christ. And how do we do that? We do that by, by, by constantly being in the word of God. I mean, these are the literal words of our Lord and Savior. Why would we not dive into this as often as we can? And then in the latter part of verse 8, he speaks of how we should be towards one another in the body. He says, be tenderhearted, be courteous. That word courteous can also be uh, mean humble. In John chapter 13, verse 35, it says, By this all we know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. You know, have you, have you've, I'm sure you've said it or you've heard it, the, the phrase, hey, you know what, man, I, I love you right now, or I love you, but I really do not like you right now. You know, it's not always going to be easy to, to, to love one another, 
You know, and a lot of times we don't even like them. But we are commanded to love each other. 1 Corinthians 13. That is the greatest gift that we could ever receive, is love. And we saw the ultimate love through Jesus Christ dying for us. Now what are we doing with that love? Are we coming to Sunday and Wednesday services and then every other day just going about our lives like it never happened? When we truly love our brothers and sisters in the Lord, you guys, it's going to be a lot easier to like them, to be with them. Because we have something in common, that's Jesus Christ. The love that he has for us. Verse 9, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this. David Guzik, he, he had to say this about this verse. He says, the greatest challenge to our love for others comes when we are wronged. At those times, we are called not to return evil for evil, but to give a blessing instead. There's a newsflash for you guys in case you guys didn't know. You guys are sinners. You guys are flesh. You're going to mess up. It's how we were born. But in the spiritual view, we're not of this world. We're not meant to be here. This, this, this life is temporary. It's but a vapor. So our reaction needs to be that of what, what the, the Lord would do. What would Jesus do? I know it's such a cliche, WWJD. So cliche, but it, it's, it's the truth though. What would Jesus do? If we call ourselves, if we claim to be like Christ, what would he do? And why wouldn't we do the same thing? And it says in the latter part of the verse, it says to repay evil with a blessing. And as a result, we will receive a blessing in return from the Lord, you guys, for enduring, for loving. Then we go on and we read verses 10 through 12. And it says, For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those excuse me, who do evil. And so Peter is quoting Psalm 32, verses 12 through 16 right there. And that portion of Psalm 32 is describing a person who, who has the desires to have a life that they love and desire. But to do this, they must watch their, tongue, watch their tongue. They must reject evil. They need to seek peace. The Lord, the Lord delights, the Lord loves that kind of a person that rejects evil and seeks goodness, seeks peace. But when we do evil, you best believe that he's going to judge us for it as well. But we know, you know, we know that doing good, it's not, 
It's hard sometimes. It really is. You know, you get that Ohio State license plate that cuts you off in the middle of the road, and you want to just scream at them. You think about it, what we do, evil, the ward immediately rewards that evil. In almost instantaneously most of the time. Instant pleasure, instant satisfaction. You know, I come from a, a generation where that, that's what we think we're entitled to. Instant satisfaction, instant gratification. And it's so sad. And it's so worldly. But then you think about it, when we do good, you know, we don't, we don't always see results right away. You know, but, but, but when we are rewarded, you guys, it, it is far better than anything that we could ever receive from the world, from doing evil. Now we're going to jump into verses 13 through 17, and there's three sections I want to talk to about talk to you guys about and in verses 13 and 14 it's going to speak about how we won't be free from troubles but we will be blessed for enduring it and then verse 15 it's going to speak of sanctification and giving a defense for our faith and then in verses 16 and 17 closing it's going to speak of the results of our enduring for our faith for our god so verse 13 It says, and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? Who can harm us? Spiritually, who can harm us? If we are truly girded with our Lord, who can harm us? He protects us. He gives us all the tools that we need to defend ourselves. We have a strong foundation in him. We have the armor of God. We have our swords, the word. Who can harm us? Nobody. Verse 14, it says, And even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed, and do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. You know, Peter's encouraging us to not repay evil with good. Um, he is encouraging us to repay evil with good. But he wants, us to, he wants to keep it real, too, though. He wants to let us know, you know, it's not going to be all rainbows and sunshines. He says it here in verse 14. Do not be afraid of their trouble, their threats, nor be troubled. There's going to be threats. There's going to be hardships. And we're going to go through them in this world. Especially when you claim to be a Christian. You know, people, a lot of people who don't know any better have this false sense that when they receive the Lord, that it's going to be, it's going to be easy peasy. You know, it's going, to be, it's going to be all glitz and glam. I'm not going to have any more troubles. All my troubles are going to be gone. I'm not going to go through any hardships anymore. It's, it's quite the opposite. But we don't need to fear that, those hardships. 
in Matthew 10, 28. It says, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who was able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Meaning that we have nothing to fear in this earth. We have nothing to fear in this earth. If we have the Lord, there's nothing that we should fear. But we should rather fear who is in control of what happens after this earth, right? We need to have the fear, we need to have the God-fearing manner in our lives. Do we truly fear the Lord? You know, I remember growing up, you know, I, I grew up in a Mexican household, and my dad would get pretty intense sometimes. You know, and I got spanked quite a few times growing up. You know, and after that punishment, you know, he would come later. He would explain to me why he did it. And then he would love on me. He'd say, look, I love you. I, I'm sorry I had to do that, but I had to, I had to correct you. And I had that fear that if I did something wrong, he was going to correct me with that belt. But I also knew that he was doing it because he loved me. I didn't understand at the time growing up when I was little. But looking back on it now, I'm so thankful for that. And that's the kind of fear that we need to have with our God. That we are going to, to reap what we sow. But the Lord chastens those who he loves, you guys. We know how powerful he is, but we also know how powerful his love is. And that we should react to that love with enduring for him. Commentator, I forget his name, but it was, it was such a great quote and I, have to, and I have to quote it. It says, not to be hated by the world but to be loved and flattered and caressed by the world is one of the most terrible positions a Christian can find themselves in. You guys, we cannot be comfortable in this world. Because the moment we do, that's when we stop running our race. That's when we stand still. That's when we are stagnant. And that's when we start hearing the whispers of the world. Oh, no, you're fine. You're good. You're okay where you are. I want you to feel comfortable. Kick your feet up. Relax. No, that is not okay. The world will do nothing but swallow you up and chew you up and spit you out and leave you for nothing. That's what the world has to offer. Pleasure for a season and then nothingness right after. But then Peter, he encourages us that there's, a, there's a, an award, a reward for, for this enduring. It's not in vain. We don't do this just for doing it because it's fun. He says in the latter part of the verse, he says, you are blessed. You are blessed. The word for blessed 
It's very important in this verse, you guys. It means in this context of the, of the, of the scripture, it, says to be, it means to be highly privileged. So when Peter says that we are blessed for our enduring and our suffering, he's saying that we should consider it a privilege. We should be privileged to endure, to suffer for the Lord. It should be an honor as Christians to, to go through that for him. We think about the endurance and the suffering that God went through for us. That he left perfection to become flesh. And he endured and suffered the worst possible way in history of all time. How are we repaying that? We should be enduring for him. And through that endurance, through that suffering, we will have eternity of perfection with him, right? And then we read in verse, verses uh, 15. It says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You guys ever have that awkward, that awkward conversation growing up? You know, maybe you're a new believer or you know you're a black sinner or whatever, but you have that you have that awkward conversation where someone's like, So so why are you a Christian? Why do you why do you believe that? You know, why do you believe the things that you do? Why do you believe the Bible? And you're just sitting there like a babbling idiot, and you're like, Oh, well, J- Jesus died for me, and um, yeah, that's why. And like you have no defense for it, and you just feel like just awkward. I, I, it's happened to me. Let me tell you, it's not fun. And now that person who asks you those questions, who was curious about your faith, they're saying, "Oh, this guy's full of hot air. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about." You know, we should never depict the body. Our God that way. Because we serve a real God. We have a real truth right here in front of us. And Peter is knocking us in the head and he's giving us a heads up. Hey, you need to be ready. Because the enemy is coming. And he's going to do anything to defame the Lord as we're going to read here in the next verse. We need to sanctify. That means to consecrate, to set something apart. It also has the sense to, 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 to deeply respect, to revere someone as holy. That is our God. We need to be bold on behalf of Christ, out of reverence, out of deep respect for him. That word defense, it comes from the word apologia. It means to make a formal defense, a calm and loving defense. That's where we get our word for apologetics. And when we get that defense, we should be relying on our flesh. No. We should be relying on us. No. 
We should be relying on the Holy Spirit. And when we are constantly in the word, when we are constantly diving into Jesus, watch how much easier it becomes to defend our God. As we study the word, as the Holy Spirit equips us, prepares us, our hearts, that we are able to defend our God. That's why, guys, I cannot stress enough how important it is to constantly be in his word every day, to be praying and worshiping. You know, when you were, you know, when you were dating your spouse, I mean, was your relationship built on, you know, saying hi to each other once a month for a few minutes? And your relationship just flourished and grew and was fantastic? No. You guys talked to each other day in and day out. You got to know each other. How do you think we are to better our relationship with Jesus unless we dive into him every day, unless we speak with him every day? Always be ready to give a defense for your God, for your Father. Verse 16 having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. You ever have that one person in your life who's like, just such a goody two-shoes? And it like just bugs the heck out of you? Like, can this guy just do something wrong for once and just get in trouble? For me, that was my sister. I mean, she couldn't do anything wrong. And I would do anything I could to get her in trouble. And she just could not get in trouble for anything. I'm like, come on. Why does that bother us so much? Because they're doing good and we're not. We're the ones getting in trouble. They're the ones behaving the way they're supposed to behave. Verse 16 says that having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. It's not just by our good words, how good someone speaks, that we can have a good conscience. No, it's by our actions, you guys. Yeah, you can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? James 1.22 talks about how we shouldn't just be hearers of the word, but doers also. The spirit of a defense may be more important than the words spoken. Our spiritual defense is more important than our words, you guys. I had a friend growing up in high school, and uh, he grew up you know, Catholic. And he went to church on Easter, that's it. And, um, you know, we played on the same baseball team together. You know, and, and obviously I didn't, I didn't do a lot of things that they did. And, and, and he noticed, my friend noticed, and he came up to me one day. He's like, how come you don't do these things? How come you don't listen to that kind of music? Or how come, you know, you don't go to parties with us? Or, you know, do this or that? I'm just like, oh, man, I'm, I'm a Christian. That's just, that's just not what I do. It's not honoring to my God. That's not, it's not, it's not right to me. 
you know, and for for a, a couple months, you know, he just kept kind of asking me stuff here and there, you know, why. You know, and one day he came up to me, he's like, hey, I, I, I want what you have. And it was a Wednesday afternoon at baseball practice. I'm like, great, we got church tonight, 7 o'clock, be there. You know, and he received the Lord. You know, he's actually a youth pastor in Florida now. Praise the Lord. Our spiritual defense, our actions can be more important than the word spoken. I wasn't out there speaking on a blowhorn, you know, to him, you know, repent, receive Jesus, or you're going to go to hell. You know, Mike can tell you his story with, with uh, his pastor's son, Aaron, in high school. Same exact way. Our actions, you guys. Our enduring of this world can save lives. Can be that difference. Can be more important than the words that we speak. This guy's not just all hot air. He doesn't just talk, but he walks. And then closing in verse 17. It says, for it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. That sounds fun, right? Let's suffer. I'm going to wake up this morning, I'm going to suffer. No, it's not fun. No one rolls out of bed and just says, yeah, let's suffer. That's great. Let's do that. But it's going to happen at some point. 10 out of 10 people suffer. But if we suffer, why not do it for the, for the best cause ever, right? For our Lord, for our Savior, right? Like I said, Jesus endured and suffered the worst brutality imaginable in history. And we were so undeserving of that. But God saw us as worth that. He looked at each and every one of us and said, you're worth it, I'm gonna do this for you. I love you, I'm gonna do this for you. So why can't we endure just not even a fraction of what he went through? Why can't we? We can And we can do it joyfully and willingly and wholeheartedly if we are constantly in the word of God, you guys. Suffering, and I'll leave you with this, suffering is temporary in this life, you guys. But if you endure, you'll be rewarded with the Lord for eternity, with perfection. No more suffering. No more having to endure this world. But we can be with our God, worshiping him day in, day out, forever and ever. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you and we just thank you so much. Lord, for your word. Lord, for what you did, what you endured and suffered for us. Lord, because you saw us as worth that. Lord, and we see you as more than worth that, Lord. So we just give ourselves to you, Lord. We endure this this world for you, Father God. That's why We are here, Lord, to better ourselves, to equip ourselves, Lord, to follow after you. And we just thank you for your gift of love, Lord, towards us. 
We just want to repay that. Lord, it'll never be enough, Lord, but it's the least that we can do. So, Lord, as we just continue these, last 10, these next 10, 15 minutes in prayer, Lord, may you just continue just to work right now, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name.